Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. of humor because I'm like the most introverted person on the whole planet. And so, of course, suddenly God downloads to me this message about community and how to connect to other people. So we'll hope that I can get out what it is that, that I feel like I, I have. Um, I'm going to be referring to a number of books um, while, while I share this morning. So I just wanted to point out on the back of your bulletin, Lloyd's book list has been replaced this morning by Carrie's book list. So, <laughs> so I hijacked that part of the bulletin. Um, that's a list of books that my small group and I have been um, reading, and I'll talk to you about that a little bit more later. So, um, And the first book I'm going to refer to is The Cure. Um, the Cure has a concept in it, that book has a concept in it about masks and how people move through the world with masks on to protect themselves and when they don't feel safe, they have a persona or a mask that they wear in order to hide their real selves from other people when they don't feel safe and they don't feel like they can be who they really are. And out of that concept, I define community as a safe place where you can let down your mask. And that, that's what that refers to. So community can be, you can find community in a number of different places. It can be at work. It can be at school. It can be in a church. It can be in a small group. It can be among a group of friends. But basically, I define that as any group of people where you feel safe, where you can be authentic and be genuinely yourself. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my group this morning and some of the things we've learned along the way and some of the things that I feel like are elements of community, how to build genuine community. Um, But actually I'm going to start by talking about a few groups that I led in years past that were giant failures. (laughs) So just to make you all feel better. So one, one of my favorites was, I don't know, 17 or 18 years ago when I had recently moved to Kansas City, um, there was a small group of young adults that asked me to, to lead a group. So we met on Monday nights. And I know we met on Monday nights because for about two months, every Monday when I would get home from work, I began to have an allergic reaction. So there was something going on. And the way my body responded in this allergic reaction is my lips would swell. I looked like I had had really bad collagen injections. I mean, like giant duck lips. And I know it was on Monday because after weeks and weeks and weeks of this, I finally discovered that when the cleaning crew was coming in over the weekends they were using a lamb's wool duster and apparently I am allergic to lamb's wool but it took a number of weeks for me to figure out what the root cause was of it as soon as they stopped using that the allergic reaction stopped but I would show up faithfully week after week to that Monday small group with duck lips and it was horrible but I did not give up I went every week 
um, another group that I that I did that failed, and I've led a number of or facilitated a number of Financial Peace University classes over the years. Um, I've been doing bookkeeping for over 20 years, so you know, financial planning is kind of in my wheelhouse. And the last Financial Peace University um, class that I led was here at New Day. I was the only New Day person who came to the group. It consisted of three other couples who found out about the class through um, the Financial Peace University website. And mostly, they wanted advice on how to communicate in, within the couples on, about money. And I'm, I have been single my whole life. So while I know a lot about money, I know almost nothing about communication and marriage. <laughs> so it was <laughs> rather awkward. <laughs> um, so then about three years ago, I was in a workplace believers meeting here at New Day on a Saturday morning in Lloyd's office. And someone in that group um, was talking about the book One Way Love by Tulian Tavijan. And I thought, I really want to read that book. So after the group, I went home, and I shop on Amazon all the time. I pulled up the website, looked up the book, and I noticed that there was a video series that went along with the book, and it was a six-week thing. And I thought, hmm, well, maybe I could invite you know some of the ladies who go to the Workplace Believers meeting to come to my house for six weeks. I'm like, that's not a long commitment at all. You know, I can, I can find four or five suckers who I could talk into doing this with me. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and three years later, we are now reading our 10th book. <laughs> so we've had various people who've joined us and have come for a season. We've had others that have been grafted in later. Um, but it, it has been a three-year journey of learning about community, learning about God's grace, um, and learning about it within a safe place where we can let down our masks and really, really see what God has for us. So I've discovered the formula for community. For those of you who watch The Big Bang Theory, you'll understand this. If you can understand that formula, then you got it. <laughs> the formula for community is there is no, there is no formula. <laughs> it's not a formulaic thing. There are some things I can, I can share with you that will help. I can give you some tips on things to do and things not to do. But there's really not a secret formula that if you follow... A, B, C, D, then you're going to have a perfect community. It just sort of happens. Um, I think about it like a puzzle. So a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, the definition of that is something made up of many interconnecting parts whose relation to each other is difficult to understand. And then I've also found that Sometimes the picture changes and you don't know what it's supposed to look like. So my, one of my family traditions, I have a, an amazing biological family. We are a great community. One of our traditions over the years has been every year at Christmas, we do a puzzle together. My mom would always buy, for whatever reason, we would have a puzzle that we would do. And to this day, you know, two years ago, I went to my brother's in Florida for Christmas. And I walk in, they're like, here's our Christmas puzzle. 
So it's a, it's a, family, it's a family tradition. You, you look at the picture. You look at the picture on the book when you're doing those puzzles. Um, and last year I couldn't be with them for Christmas, so I sent them a saw jig puzzle, which is a jigsaw puzzle, but it's backwards. So the picture on the box is not what the puzzle looks like. It's, there's a person in, on the box, and what you're seeing is actually the perspective. So what's on the box is like what's behind them, and then you have to figure out the puzzle for what's in front. So you, it's a complete mystery. I got texts all during the day of their progress on figuring out how to do this puzzle because they're like, this is the hardest puzzle we've ever done. So that, that was my little joke on them. But um, <laughs> So... Next, I'm going to show you a couple of key elements that I found that have been useful in my group. (laughs) I'm a crazy cat lady. I got two cats. They join us all the time for group. They're in and out all the time. And then Kleenex. That's critical if you're going to have a successful successful small group. Kleenex. Plenty of Kleenex. Okay, so now I'm going to get more serious. What actually does make a healthy group? So I'm going to talk about personality differences. So there's three main personality types. Introverts. Those are the ones that prefer thinking over speaking. Extroverts. Those are the ones who talk the most. And then ambiverts, who are a mix of extroverted and introverted tendencies. I find it ironic that the thing that brings the most conflict is also the thing that brings the most balance. So having a mixture of different personality types can create tension at times. If you've ever been in a small group setting, you know sometimes there are people you just wish would stop talking. Just to, we're just going to be real here. We're a family, honestly. Sometimes you're just sitting in there and going, when are they going to stop talking? And then sometimes you have someone who's sitting in the corner and you know they're thinking. They're deeply thinking about everything that's being said and you want to know what they think. Once you're in a community and you get to know each other and you start being safe, it becomes safe to ask that person. It looks like you're thinking about something really deeply. Share with us what you're thinking. Sometimes it takes them a while to figure out how to put into words what it is that they're thinking. That very often you're going to hear the most profound things from, from those people. And, and then sometimes you're going to cut off people that are going on and on. And that's okay. When it becomes a safe place, you can do it in kindness and love. And sometimes it can get uh, relationally tense. But when it's a safe place, all that stuff is okay. It's, everyone is free to be who they are and have the personality that God made them to have. And it actually, in the end, brings balance to life and group and community. Okay, so then there are a few other things that I've picked up from the books that we've read. The next concept is having a poverty mindset versus having a prosperity mindset. So one of the books on that list is called Uninvited. It's by Lisa Turkhurst. Um, 
And she talks about this. This actually originated with a business principle that Stephen Covey um, explains in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talks about a scarcity mentality versus an abundance mentality. And he talks about it in business terms, but it actually is a biblical principle. So the scarcity mentality is a zero-sum paradigm. So that means you have a certain number of things, those things all get distributed, and at the end you have nothing left. So what this does is if you believe there is a limited supply of things, you think that when other people get good things that there's less good things available for you. The abundance mentality means there's enough to spare for everyone, and it results in the sharing of recognition, prestige, power, profits, decision-making. If we look at the biblical principle of that, that's the prosperity mindset. It's the belief in uh, Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 2 Corinthians 9.8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Always having all sufficiency in all things. So in a community, if you have a poverty mindset, you don't celebrate other people's successes because you believe that if they, something good happened to them, that means there's less in the world available for you. But if you believe that prosperity mindset, then her success doesn't threaten mine. I can celebrate the successes of the people in my community because I know there's enough and overabundance for everyone. And that scriptural God has promised us those things. So this next concept is also from the book Uninvited. It's me too versus you should. So I'm going to start this with a Graham Cook quote. We love Graham Cook. He says, I believe that a huge part of our journey with God is engaging with each other's questions. Healthy dialogue has a way of creating space for us to discover more of who God is and who we are in him. So healthy dialogue, here's the thing. When you take off your mask, it's not always pretty. (laughs) Sometimes it's Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's not always pretty under there, but that's okay. What it means is we talk about the things we struggle with as much as we talk about the things where we have victory. And, And all of that is genuine and authentic and okay. The concept of me too versus you should as humans, when we hear other people in pain, we have a tendency to want to fix it. We have a tendency to want to give people advice. Now, the heart of that is a really good thing. We don't like seeing people hurt. It's why people wear masks. We don't like to see people in pain, people struggling. So we have a tendency to want to fix things. And as humans, we have to be aware that sometimes seeing other people's issues for us becomes an excuse to talk about ourselves. So 
it, it turns into a, instead of, I see you really struggling with that. You know what? Me too. You have an issue with fear? You know what? I do too. Here's all the things that scare me. You know? And instead of that turning into, I know you can, you can overcome this. I've overcome it. I know you can overcome it turns into, well, you should do this, and you should do that, and if you just did this, that would fix it. So sometimes, there's a really fine line there, but that, sometimes that heart and that desire to help people and want them to have victory over the things that are painful for them can very quickly turn into feeling like they're bossing you around, (laughs) And them telling you they know more than you. And if you would just do it their way, that you would get better. So it's something that in my group we've been really sensitive to. We've had a, we've had a few times where we've had really tense discussions. But all of that's okay. You know, all, all of that happens. And we know sometimes one person is saying something and it, it really gets into it. And then somebody else can just step in and say, what I hear you saying is... And reframing it into that, me too. I hear you saying that you understand her pain. I hear you saying that here's what helped you. And as humans, sometimes when when we share our own pain, it, it can really sound like, well, you should do this and you should do that, even if you're not even saying those words. So I think that's a really useful concept to be aware of. Um, when you're in a place where you've taken down the mask and everything is not rainbows and sunshine because <laughs> life isn't always like that. So, And then I think it's also important in that to remember everybody doesn't have to agree. So, you know, like we talked about that introverted, extroverted, ambivert. Everybody's not built the same. So that's that other thing about that you should. If I did something and it worked for me, that might not work for Crispin. He has a totally different personality than I do. So you, you, we can't um, insist that everybody sees things exactly the same way, and that's okay. I mean, if you've been at New Day for any length of time, Lloyd always says that. You don't have to agree with me. And you're still welcome here. And we're all still welcome. We can disagree and still be part of a cohesive community. It's a healthy thing to have differences. So then I want to talk about having a mirror of reality with permission, in quotes there. So that, that's really key. So one of the things that I find is really useful in a healthy um, group interaction It includes holding up what I call a mirror of reality. So that means sometimes I can hold up a mirror and help somebody see something that they can't see on their own. So oftentimes when people are struggling with things or they're in the midst of a really difficult situation, there are elements of it that they can't see because they're in so much pain. And so... When you're in a community and it's a safe place and you've built community and you've, and you've um, built that safe space, you give each other permission to show you things that you may not see. So sometimes that means, can I tell you what I see? 
Sometimes that means saying, here's what I see, or I don't believe this is a good thing for you. You notice it's, it's not saying you need to not do that, or you're missing it if you would just do this. But sometimes it's just holding up that mirror and saying, you know, I understand your pain. I understand all these things that are going on. Let me show you something and see if, that, if this resonates with you. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think part of a healthy community is helping people to see the truth for their situation. So we, we really work to do that. Now, coming out of years and years of church community, even when you're genuinely saying something that is a biblical truth, for people who have been entrenched in religion... That's not always received well, just honestly, because our old, our old mindsets, once you start understanding the bonds of religion, sometimes those things can trigger those old, those old feelings. So, I, so I've seen that where, where it's a genuine, um, you know, it's a, it's a genuine mirror of reality moment and saying, I'm going to speak the truth to you. And it's not always received exactly well. And again, that's okay. <laughs> In a healthy group, that doesn't mean that you never come back because you felt like they didn't hear you. Or you're afraid to speak up again because you don't want to be preached to or whatever. You know, whatever that is. It's okay. It's okay for things not to be received the way they're intended. And in a healthy group, you just talk about it. You just work through it. You just reach out to each other and spend time together and understand and listen. So there's a couple of really, really good psalms that I find um, really helpful when people are going through painful situations. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 91, the whole psalm, Psalm 91 is rich rich with truth. Uh, Verse 2, though, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. So when you're in a difficult situation, you're struggling with it, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in God. So we often say trust. You just need to trust. And you can hear, even when I say it that way, I tense up because I'm like, yeah, somebody says to me, well, you just need to trust. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying, <laughs> you know? So go back to Psalm 91, trust. So then, so then here's another point that I think is really critical in community. We can believe for each other what we sometimes can't even believe for ourselves. So maybe I see somebody in pain and they're struggling with something. They're having a really hard time. They want to trust they want to run to the Lord. They want to do all that. Sometimes they just can't do it. So you know what? I'm going to believe it for them. I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to speak into them. I'm going to get on my face before the Lord and pray that he ministers to them. And, and to me, that's the power of community. It's a, it's a safe place, and I can believe for other people things that I can't believe for myself. 
or things they can't believe for themselves. And here's the other thing about that whole concept. When you're in community and you know each other and you start to see each other's stories and you know them, then you can see their heart. You know, when, when I see one of the ladies in my group struggling with something, I just don't see a situation. You know, I just don't see, you know, my boss flipped out this week and I don't know how to handle it. Or, you know, one of my kids is sick and I don't know what I'm going to do. Or, you know, my mom is dying and I'm in a whole bunch of pain. I don't just see the situation. I see their whole life story. And how they're walking through that situation out of that history and into it. And I can believe for them the victory. I can believe for them the peace. I can believe for them the good things that the Lord has for them, the prosperity. I can believe that the Lord will deliver them out of whatever difficult thing is happening or not that he will be with them through those difficult things because painful things happen in life to everyone. We can't escape that. That's just part of life. But I can believe for them that they can have victory in those things. So just a couple more scriptures that I want to share. 2 Corinthians 4, um, this is verse 7 through 9 in the NIV. But we having this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Life is hard. <laughs> We're jars of clay. <laughs> you know, we, we get attacked. We have things happen. Bad things are going to happen to us but we can have victory in it and we can believe for each other that there will be victory. Then later in that same passage of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, and then finally, I just want to share, this is, a, this is a scripture that Lloyd actually used several months ago, so I'm just completely stealing it from him. <laughs> but it, it really touched me. This is in the Passion Translation, Ephesians 4, 3 to 4. And I just felt like this so summed up this idea of community. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace so that you will be one body and one spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. I just love how that translation puts that, puts that scripture so I just want to encourage you all. I know one of the ladies several weeks ago said, I was hurt in community and now I'm being healed in community. We have no idea where that quote came from, but we thought it was really good. If you've been around on the earth for any length of time, you've been hurt in community. 
You've been in a work situation, you've been in a church situation, you've been in a family situation where somebody said or did something to you that just hurt. It just, it just hurt you. But I just want to encourage you, there is um, healthy community available. There is. It, it takes some effort and energy. It takes some struggle. It takes some inner negotiations to be okay. It takes some courage when you've been hurt to open yourself up again and to, and to put yourself out there. But man, when you hit that sweet spot, it is all worth it. It is all worth it. So that's what I pray for all of you, that you find those sweet spots of community where you feel like you can be authentic, where you can come and celebrate and rejoice, and you also can come and be real and say, I'm in pain, I'm afraid, I'm discouraged, these things are happening. You know, be my community. Help me believe for things that I can't believe for myself. So, that's it. Wow, that was so good and so practical. Like, post a whole bunch of those things up on the, on the website like you do. So, this isn't a campaign this morning. I'm not here to start new community groups out of what she said. Um, there's so that you understand if you're new or if you've been here a long time and you're going, well, how, how does it happen? Where are the groups? How do we track? Find each other. I'll invite you to community. Well, are you going to train us to be a leader? Nope. Not going to do that. Community happens by us finding each other, just like it happened for Carrie. After another meeting, she invited somebody to over to her house. You don't have to be trained. I don't have a set of rules. A community doesn't, a group doesn't have to follow a certain prescript. There's no, there's none of that. God's called us into one body. Be friends with each other. Isn't that what community is? That we learn to, uh, to do that with each other. So, well, I don't feel qualified. God qualifies us. God qualifies us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each side of, inside of each of us. And that spirit, this is what I know about God, it longs for community. So I don't make groups happen. You won't see an official. There's, there's no board outside that says, join this group and this and this and this and this. You got to find each other and do it. I, I tried to do that for... Uh, well, at least with New Day, the 12 years that it's existed, I've tried this multiple times, and I have that anointing. When I call a meeting, three people show up. <laughs> so, it's, uh, you know, it's find each other. Some of, you are, uh, some of you are already doing this. A lot of you are already doing this in very healthy community. You know, so a group can look as simple as we're going to do a book together. That's where it starts. It can be as simple as we're going to go, you know, it's too bad Tippins went out of business, but we're going to go have a piece of pie together or, you know, a brownie. Go have the blonde, blonde brownie wherever they serve it. I don't know, there's some restaurant that does. And, and eat with each other and begin to share your lives. God is the one who makes community. Now, it does take effort on our part, but he's the one who did it. And that was so good. That was such a practical reflection of how we do this. So, would you stand with me? Dad, can you and the team come up and just...
let's, let's worship our God one more time. Jesus loves community. Jesus loves us being together. Jesus is in community right now with himself. Now think about this, with us. He dwells in us and then he gave this special, very special promise to us as believers, as followers of him. He said, wherever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, behold, there I am in your midst. Two or more of us. He's t- he likes community. Uh, everybody uh, through the years who, with me always wanted, you know, they, I, I love this, and you probably do too, but just having a one-on-one time with somebody and sit across the table. You know, there's no, there's no place in the Gospels where Jesus ever did a one-on-one. He loved community. You'll see the three go off with him, and uh, it's just there. I just noticed it through the years because I did discipleship so much. He loves the idea of two or three of us being together. It's the way he made it. So let's pray for us as believers, as a community. Lord, I believe for us right now, just what Carrie said, we can't believe for ourselves when pain or loneliness or hurt from past experiences get in the way. I believe right now that you draw us into that Ephesians 4 community, into that bond of peace, into that unity, that knitting of the spirit and hearts. And so we pray it over ourselves. And we say this, so help us God. Help us with this. Help us to find each other. And Lord, some of us have tried so hard to make it happen and it didn't fit. Help us. Help us when that happens. And just uh, show us the connectedness and cause the bond of unity to be among us in Jesus' name. 